Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We've been talking about the whole issue of telling yourself the truth. Because it's so easy for you and I to really think that we're doing okay, especially in some specific areas of our life. And how we get there thinking we're okay is we have this tendency to compare ourselves. We look at someone else and we see what their faults are or we see the sins that they're involved in and we decide, well, you know, I'm not like them. I'm doing okay. I'm okay with you, God. But the problem with that whole mindset, and we all struggle with that mindset, even I struggle with that mindset, and that's true for all of us, because we measure other people, but God doesn't measure us that way. God measures us based upon who we are in light of Jesus. In light of Jesus. And so, what happens is, is that we saw, back in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, that there are some distinct things that God has a problem with. Let me read them to you real quick because you're not turned there. These things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to Him. Seven are disgusting to Him. And notice what they were. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to run into evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. And so what we've done is we've looked at several of these things. We looked at Pride, the look from above. Last week we looked at truth or consequence, that is, the telling of lies. And you might be here and you might say, well, you know, George, I don't have a problem with pride. I'm the most humble person since Moses. Or you might say, George, I'm not a liar. Everything that comes out of me is honesty and truth. I don't have an issue with these two things that we've talked about. Uh, If you're saying that, you might have a problem. But we're going to look at a third one today. And that is the issue of murder. Now, before you say, I don't have a problem with murder, George, I think you need to just sit back and hear what Jesus has to say about murder. Because it's murder, when we talk about murder, we're talking about more than just the physical act of murdering, of killing. Well, let's see what Jesus says. Look with me at chapter 5, verse 21. We're going to go down to verse 26. And look at what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you should not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Murder. 
Another way of saying it is basically the title of what we're talking about here is you and I becoming in the lives of others around us the judge, the jury, and the executioner. The judge, the jury, and the executioner. And let's be honest, we're like that, aren't we? Every one of us, listen, it's the nature of human relations. You and I get irritated with people, we get ticked off with people, because people, isn't it true, will rub us wrong. People will do us wrong. People will hurt us, whether ignorantly or on purpose. People are a problem, aren't they? Wouldn't life be wonderful if there were no people? Isn't that right? And if you've been around long enough, no matter how much you say, I'm going to be wonderful today, I'm going to have a wonderful relationship with the people around me, somebody is going to do something that is going to irritate you and anger you, and you're going to have thoughts of murder cross your mind. See, Jesus is telling us something here that we need to focus on. And here's the thing. You can be here and you can be a Christian, but if you've got a problem with your brother, let me just say something to you. You've got a problem. And it isn't them. It's you. Because God's looking at you and He is disgusted by our actions and our attitudes. So let's notice with me, first of all, the issue of murder. First of all, look with me at verses 21 through 23. Jesus says this, verse 21, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and that whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. The first thing is I want you to see is, is that we tend to focus on the action. We tend to focus on the action. Because you might be saying here and you're saying, Oh, this is well and good, we're talking about murder, and I agree, it is disgusting that murder exists, and it is a terrible thing. And you know what, I know this firsthand, my dad was murdered. There's nothing more tragic in a person's life. And, and you might be sitting here and you're saying, well, you know, I'm doing okay because I'm not a murderer. And so what we do is our tendency, because this is what we do, we tend to focus on actions. Listen to me. We tend to focus on actions. We think we're okay. But Jesus, I want you to notice something. He takes it one step further. He says, look, you've heard. Don't do this. And you're saying, well, I'm okay. I'm not doing that. But I want you to notice what he says in verse 22. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother, he's doing something else here. What is he doing? God looks at the attitude. Listen, you might be here today and you have never killed anybody physically. I'm hoping that there's nobody here that's done that. But I'm going to be honest with you. You probably have killed them many times in your mind and in your heart. Because, you know, in a room this size, if you live long enough, there are going to be people who have done something that have hurt you deeply and that in your mind, you want vengeance. You want them to pay the price for what they did to you. You want them to feel the pain, the anguish, and the hurt. And you sit there and you are wanting something bad to happen to them. In fact, when you hear that something bad happened to them, you're thinking in your mind, because you won't express it out loud, yes, they deserve it. Because you're angry. Because you're mad. This is what Jesus is saying. You've heard it said, don't murder. And you say, well, I'm not murdering, George. I'm not, I didn't physically take the gun and pull the trigger. I didn't take the knife or the bat. Yeah, but you've done it in your heart. 
The issue of murder is not just the action. Can I be honest with you? The action is a result of what? The attitude. The action is a result of the attitude. The attitude. And so then he goes on and he says this. You've got to recognize with the issue of murder what's going on here. And that's this. Look with me at verse 22. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Here's the issue. This is why it's so important you and I got to grasp that we just can't sit there and fester with the hatred in our heart towards an individual. Because here's what I want you to see. Our hatred is in danger of judgment. Our hatred is in danger of judgment. You might be sitting there saying, well, you know, George, I'm not going around calling somebody a raka. First of all, raka is Aramaic. It is a term of Aramaic. Here's the thing. Let's be honest. In Jesus' day, that was probably a term that was a derogatory term that people used to describe someone that they don't like. We have our own terms today, don't we? I'm not going to express them because I shouldn't from a pulpit like this. But you and I, when we look at somebody that we don't like, we have a tendency to say, well, he's just a... Well, that... You fill in the blank. Not too much. You understand? But you know what I'm saying? Because as many as I say it, you know what I'm talking about because you know what the cultural terms are. That's what Jesus is saying because that verbal expression is an expression of what's going on inside of our hearts. And what did Jesus say? Out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. And listen, just the verbal expression of the anger, Jesus is saying what to us? He's saying that by just that verbal expression towards someone else around you that you've got a problem with, that's in danger of judgment. Why? Because it's reflecting something in your life. You know, you don't need to turn there all the way in First John. John talks about that if you hate, here it is, verse 15 of chapter 3, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. John's saying this, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. He's saying, this is what Jesus is saying, you're in danger if you're sitting there festering, if you're sitting there angry, the issue with murder is, is that you're in danger of judgment because there's some question as to whether or not you really know Jesus. Because in your heart you're a murderer. And you're not getting over it. Listen, the person can even be dead and you're not getting over it. I remember probably 14 years ago, after I finished seminary, I thought I was going to immediately get into ministry, but God had other plans. And so in the meantime, while I was working married to Lori, I was filling in little churches there in Indiana and Armstrong County. And I remember being in this church in Armstrong County and And while I was there, there was a big kerfuffle going on about this lady who came to church. And everybody was excited about this lady. She hadn't been to church in ten years. And they were all excited about that she came back. And I'm like, wow. And here the story was, is something happened with her husband. Her husband got angry with somebody at the church. And they decided to quit coming to church. And I said, well, really? Have they ever made it right? Well, it's kind of hard. The guy he got angry with died. How long has he been dead? Seven years. So for seven, I mean, they're not coming to church for somebody who's dead. Let me tell you something. Here's what Jesus says. There's a question there. There's a question there about their salvation. 
to hold on to that anger and that hatred for that long. See, why? Because our hatred is in danger of the judgment. Now, here's what I'm saying to you guys. You're here today, before we move on to this passage and see what Jesus is telling us to do with this issue. You're here today, and I can almost guarantee it because it's true in my life, somebody has hurt you deeply. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a friend. A co-worker. I mean, the list could go on and on. Somebody hurt you deeply. And you've, inside your heart, it's a furnace of anger. Now, on the outside, you look good. You go to family functions, you go to church, and everything's okay, you're, you're doing fine, but on the inside, you are just seething, you're ready to explode, you're like, you're like ready to be Mount Vesuvius and just blow a top. But you've got it under control, you've got the grip on it. You think you're doing okay, you think you're, you're you know, I, I love Jesus, hate Him, but I love Jesus. God says to you and I, look, you're a murderer. You need to wake up to the reality that you are in danger. You're in danger. There's a question as to where you are spiritually. You say, really? Yes. Because when you come to Christ, the love of Christ fills your heart. It should flow out of your heart. And Jesus tells us to, what? Love our enemies? Not them! Yeah, them. So here's what he tells us to do. I want you to notice with me, we're going to talk about the call to reconciliation. Look with me at three verses, verse 24 through 26, and see what Jesus tells us to do. Because he's saying, look guys, I want you to move beyond this issue of thinking I'm okay because I'm not killing somebody, but yet you're killing somebody continually in your heart over and over and over again. Here's what you need to do. Look with me, verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. First thing I want you to know is we're going to, we're going to deal with the issue of anger in our life. We're going to deal with the hurt. We're going to deal with the feelings that we have to somebody else where we are wishing them dead. And let me just stop for a moment. You may be wishing them dead, but I'm going to be honest with you. They could be dead and you'll still be feeling the same way. You hear what I'm saying? They could be dead. And for some of you, they are dead. And you are still feeling the same way. Here's what I want you to see. God is not interested in your ritual. God is not interested in you coming in here, sitting down. God is not interested in you giving money. God is not interested in you volunteering. God is not interested in any of that stuff. If you're sitting here this morning and you're just ready to blow your cork over somebody else, He's not interested. Listen, I want you to understand the picture of what's going on here. He's saying, if you, and you're ready to make a gift at the altar, what altar? The altar in the temple at Jerusalem. What was that altar gift being? Probably a sacrifice for your sin that you would make as a Jew. If you're coming into the temple to make a sacrifice on your behalf, and Jesus says, if you've got something against your brother, leave your gift at the altar and go make it right. Why? Because God's not interested in your ritual. He's interested in your authenticity. 
He's interested in you being authentic about your life. And if you're sitting there and you're harboring feelings towards someone else, and you're angry, you're not being authentic. And it's not like all this other stuff that we do, all the religious stuff that we do, showing up, giving, sacrificing, doing, is going to cover it because he just sees right through it. That's God. He's not interested in your ritual. And you and I got to understand that because, look, if our heart ain't right, it ain't right. Do you know what I mean? It's like this, you know what? You can go around digging in your yard. If you're not on city sewer and you've got a septic tank, and the grass may look really green over that tank, but if you dig, you still come to the tank. And you know what's in the tank. Nothing changes what's in the tank. looks beautiful on top. In fact, that's why the grass is growing green on top. And you could be here and you could be doing all this stuff, but if you're not right on the inside, it doesn't change who you are on the inside. And God sees right through it. He said he's not interested in our ritual. Here's what I want want you to see. Jesus says, look, I'm not interested in your ritual. Leave your altar. And here's what he tells us to do. Make things right with the other person. And see, this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, look, don't be a fake. Don't be a religious fake. If you've got a problem, leave your offering Go and make it right with them. And so here's what it means for either one. If you're the one who's hurt somebody, suck it up, go to them, and ask them for forgiveness. Now here, if they've done something to you, suck it up, go to them, and say to them, you hurt my feelings. Chances are, most of the time, they weren't even aware that they did it. It's just a small chance that they do, and it's a small chance that they're a jerk, and you know, and you know, and all of that. But my point is, is why do you need to be enslaved to them? That's what Jesus is saying. Go and make it right with them. Don't be a religious fake. That's the issue. That's so disgusting to God. Have we not grasped that? That we would sit here and be culturally okay. I'm okay with my culture. I can have a tune culturally acceptable here in Kerwinsville. But the reality is, it's not acceptable to God. It's not acceptable to him. Make things right with the other person. Many of us know about Leonardo da Vinci. When da Vinci was painting The Last Supper, he had an intense, bitter argument with a fellow painter. Leonardo was so enraged that he decided to paint the face of his enemy into the face of Judas at the table. That way the hated painter's face would be preserved for ages in the face of the betraying disciple. When Leonardo finished Judas, everyone easily recognized the face of the other painter with whom Leonardo had quarreled. Leonardo continued to work on the painting, but as much as he tried, he could not paint the face of Christ. Something was holding him back. It was after some introspection that Leonardo decided that his hatred towards his fellow painter was the problem. So he worked through his hatred by repainting the face of Judas, replacing the image of his fellow painter that he had a problem with, with another face. Only then was he able to paint Jesus' face and complete the masterpiece. 
Listen, some of you here today, you are wanting to be used by God and you can't figure out why God is not using you the way you want Him to use you. And the reason why is because there's a problem between you and somebody else and you're just doing the culturally acceptable thing and just sitting on it. Jesus says, go and make it right with them. Go and make it right with them. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Verse 25 tells us this. Do everything possible to reconcile. He gives the illustration of someone who is probably on their way to court because of some issue. And he says to them, look, you need to go and make it right with that brother before they take you before the judge. You need to go and make sure that you don't even get that far. That look, I'm, whatever you did, if you're the one, you're sorry. If they did something, you work it out with them. But you do everything possible to work it out with them. You know what? The measure of a man or a woman here today is not what you do for Jesus in all your service. The measure of a man or woman here today is how do you work through your relationships with other people? And if you're not willing to reconcile with others, listen to me, that says an awful lot about who you are, not all the other stuff. That's a harsh statement, but that's really the reality of what Jesus is saying here to you and I. We gotta be right with each other. Why? Because here's what Jesus is saying. He says it in verse 26. We will pay the price for our attitudes. We will pay the price for our attitudes. Look at what he says in verse 26. Assuredly I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Eric Zorn wrote in the Chicago Tribune back in 1994 about a tragic accident that shows the results of the terrible power of anger. According to Zorn, a man and woman were driving a van in the far left lane of Chicago's Northwest Tollway in April of 1994. In the back were two children A white Cadillac driven by an ex-convict suddenly pulled up behind them, tailgating mere inches from their bumper. The man driving the van slowed down. The Cadillac driver pulled into the right lane, passed the van, and then swerved suddenly back in front of the van. So suddenly that the van driver felt that he had to swerve to avoid a collision. The van driver accelerated and chased after the Cadillac. The two eventually pulled alongside the white he eventually pulled alongside the white Cadillac, reportedly began to yell and scream at the driver of the Cadillac. According to witnesses, the two men gestured angrily at each other. It was at that point that the driver of the Cadillac pulled a handgun up and fired at the van. The bullet entered the side of the van and hit the baby girl entering under her left ear and exiting above her right ear. The little girl lived, but she's blind in one eye, half blind in the other, partially deaf, and suffers severe mental and physical disabilities. The man who fired the bullet is in jail. 
The parents of that little girl, they have to live with the terrible pain of regret. Anger always escalates and always ends in some tragic way. That's what Jesus is saying. You're sitting there, you're doing the cultural acceptable thing, you're not letting anybody know that you've got a problem with them, and you're just stewing and you're just festering, but my friends, Jesus is telling us that you just fester, you're going to pay the price for your festering. You say, what are you talking about, George? You know what, I've, I've been a pastor a while now, and I've dealt with many people, and let me tell you something, it's always interesting about people who are bitter. It starts out that they're bitter towards the person that they're angry at, the person that hurt them. But let me tell you something, it doesn't stay there. It always, always moves to something else. Always moves to something else. And you just end up, you talk to a spouse of a bitter person. You talk to the family of a bitter person. You talk to the people that are around a bitter person. What are they? They don't want to be anywhere near them. Why? Because their bitterness just spreads to everything else. And they pay a tragic price. They pay a tragic price. Here's some things I want you to think about as we wrap this up this morning. Yeah, you've never killed anybody physically. But you know, really, that's not the issue, is it? To ask yourself this question. Do you have a problem with someone else? Do you have a problem with someone else? You've got to ask yourself that question because there are so many things that hinge upon that question with regards to your spiritual life and what God wants to do through you. And listen, you could do the Western Pennsylvania thing. Excuse me, we're in Central Pennsylvania here. Western Central Pennsylvania thing. And just sit on it. But you know it doesn't go there, does it? You know it's more than that because you're not just sitting on it. You're thinking about it all the time. The problem is, is that it's going to manifest itself. It's going to manifest itself. Do you have a problem with someone else? Which then is then that results in the next question. Have you killed them in your heart? The late Clarence Darrow, the famous defense attorney who maybe you know from the Scopes trial, used to say this. He said that, quote, everyone is a potential murderer. I haven't killed anyone. But I frequently get satisfaction out of obituary notices. You know what? You might be the same way. You haven't killed anyone, but the moment you hear of your adversary having four flat tires in the middle of traffic, yes! When you see them at Walmart and they get the super slow Kirk and the lights on and they got to do a price, you're saying, yes! When you hear they're suffering with a disease, yes! Have you killed them in your heart? Have you? Tell yourself the truth. Tell 
yourself the truth. Quit playing the game. Quit thinking you're okay. Quit thinking, well, you know, I do everything else right, Lord. I've got this one thing I'm going to sit on forever. No, 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 no. You, you don't understand. God doesn't operate that way. Tell yourself the truth. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.